Welcome into another episode of the Mississippi Salute Podcast. I am your host, Ray Coleman. I serve as the Director of Communications for Mississippi Veterans Affairs. Um, Like I've told you before, the Mississippi Salute Podcast is just a place for our veterans to hear great stories, to learn about resources that are available to them, available to their families. Um, That's why we do this show, and we hope that it has been beneficial thus far. Um, I've been excited for every episode, whether it's been us talking about our programs that we offer or just some of America's heroes that I've had a chance to interview. Um, today, I get to speak to another gentleman uh, from what we like to call America's greatest generation. And I think you'll find that um, once you hear from this gentleman, like you've heard from Mr. Smith, a former World War II veteran, um, you'll learn that, once again, that stands true. I'm honored today to have Mr. Tony Provenza with me. Uh, Mr. Provenza is a World War II veteran um, from here, in Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, Mr. Provenza, thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, thank you. I enjoy it. Yes, sir. Um We'll just start off with the with the very basics. You say you're from Greenville, Mississippi, from, from the Green, from Greenville. the Delta. I um, graduated from Greenville High School in 1942. Yes, sir. And I attempted to go, to uh, enlist in the Air Corps at that time, but they said my eyes were not good enough, so they turned me down. <laughs> so I waited. And I, I got into the Marine Corps a year later when I was 18 years of age. And I was sworn in the Marines in Jackson, Mississippi wow, 18. in November 1943. My, my first question to you, sir, is why? Why, why, would, why did you want to join the armed forces during that time? Well, uh, all of the fellows that I grew up with had gone into the service, and, and I felt it was my duty to go into the service. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you're growing up in Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, what was life like for you before you joined Leading up to the war, what was life like for for Mr. Provenza during that time? Well, I went through I went through the Saint Joseph uh, Academy in Greenville. Yes, sir. It was a Catholic school. Yes, sir. And I graduated there, but I graduated from Greenville High School because I played football, high school football. And my last senior year, we won ten games and lost one. Wow! Wow! I'm very familiar with St. Joe Catholic too. I graduated from St. Joseph in Madison. Uh-huh. Um, so we played St. Joseph Greenville quite often yeah. um, in, in those different sports. I'm very familiar um, with them. So you joined at 18, the Marine Corps. Um, why the Marine Corps? Why did that stand out to you? Well, my two brothers were in the Army Air Corps at that time. See, it was not the Air Force, it was the Air Corps. Right, right. And uh, I said, I might as well go into the Marines. I didn't want to get in the Navy, and I didn't want the Army, so I had nothing left at that time except get in the Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me about your, your basic training, like the, the, the beginning of it all. Talk me through what the day-to-day was like for your basic training. Well, uh, I was... Uh, Join the Marine Corps in Jackson, Mississippi. Back in those days, the Marine Corps only accepted uh, boot uh, training from PI, that's Paris Island, South Carolina, or San Diego, California. Yes, sir. At the time I went in November 1943, PI was full. So they sent me to California, and uh, that's why I went through boot training. Went through boot training and combat training in uh, California. Is that your first time out of Mississippi when you went to California? Yes. <laughs> Explain to me what's that like at, a, at an 18-year-old man? Because at, at, that, at that point, you're no longer a kid. You're an 18-year-old man that leaves Mississippi and goes to the West Coast. What was that like for you? Well, I was with the other men. They were just like I was, and we all thought just alike. Yeah. Well, I met new men, and they, of course they knew, met me too, and we all enjoyed it. Was it? 
was it what you thought it would be when you got to California as far as training and just uh, the new environment, or was it totally different than what you expected? Well, we went into boot camp, and we were restricted. We stayed on post all the time. We did not go out. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have any other training other than that. Uh, we didn't go to the city or anything until after we got out of boot camp. So from boot camp to the time you were deployed, is that a huge gap or were you sent right over, you know, from the time I, you were I went from I went from one organization to another. I took my combat training in, Cal in California. Yes, sir. And, and that's why I took my combat training there for a month. Okay. Okay. But also, I uh, went through uh, radio school after I got out, and uh, I didn't select it. They selected me, so I went to radio school, and uh, my assignment was based on that. No wonder you sound so good at this. This is right up your lane. That that makes perfect sense. Um, your journey into World War II, where were you stationed? Where were you deployed? I want to kind of talk about that space now. Well, I was shipped from San Diego to Hawaii. Yes, sir. We stayed in Hawaii uh, for about a week. Then I was transferred to Guadalcanal, and uh, I was assigned to a unit there, the 12th AAA Battalion, Essential Aircraft Artillery Battalion. And then I was in communications, and I was in headquarters as a radio operator. So we communicated with the airman at that time. Yes, sir. And uh, I was told also at that time we would be going into combat on Peleliu. I had never heard of Peleliu, didn't know what it was or anything, but it didn't bother me because I was among other young fellows there my age and a little older, and we all just said, well, let's go ahead and get this over with, and uh, we'll be all right. I'm always amazed when I hear um, veterans as yourself who just simply describe it as, hey, I was there with my peers. Um, we felt the need to serve our country, but yet you're in a foreign land like this. We just said you went from Mississippi to California, cup of coffee in Hawaii, uh -huh. and then you're on the other side of the world. Like, at any point, did any of that feel, like, too big for you? Was it overwhelming at all? Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, we just followed orders. The, the Marine Corps had very strict uh, disciplinary action that they take, and we fo followed everything that they recommended or did for us. Yes, sir. And... Uh, and we didn't go anywhere except whenever they told us. We were on guard duty, and we also uh, ate lunch, breakfast, dinner, and lunch. But uh, it, it was all right. I, I, got, I got accustomed to it. I had to. Yeah. All I wanted to do was get this thing over with, then we go back home. <laughs> how, long were you, um, how long were you deployed overseas? I was overseas 21 months and 10 days. 21 months, 10 days, exactly. Out of, out of 30 months yes, sir. of military service. Yes, sir. The, the other period of time, I was in uh, boot camp, radio school, and combat training. Other than that, I was sent back to uh, Lima, Mississippi after the war ended. Of course, I had gone to St. Charles Channel for occupation duty. Yeah. We were there for five months. It was good duty, the best duty I ever had. It's better than the Pacific, I'm going to tell you. But we, uh, we we got along with the Chinese. We were with the communists. We were not with the communists, but we were with the nationalists. And we would walk guard duty on one side of the street, and the communists would be across the street from us. Wow. They didn't bother us, and we didn't bother them. Th those memories <clears throat> that you have, 
they're clearly still right there fresh in your mind. What are some of the things, some of the other things that stand out to you during your time deployed? Is it some of the people you've met, some of the experiences? Like, kind of talk me through some of the things that you remember that stand out to you during that, that well, time. Well, uh, in, in the tent that we were employed, that is in the Pacific, I was from Greenville, Mississippi. One young man was from uh, Houston, Texas. One was from New York. Another one from California. Wow. So we were all from different states. We all got along real well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, you were there, you you amongst your peers, and you were looking forward to the opportunity to come back. Um, I asked this question because I've asked any veteran that I know that has been deployed overseas, was there ever a point where you may have been worried that you would not make it back. Did that ever come I, into I, your mind? I, I never thought about that because I felt I had Jesus Christ on my shoulder. I'd been shot at, and, of course, I was not hit. So I'm, I'm lucky in that respect. I remember when the tank was coming down this ridge, and I was on the other end, and he waited for us to, to get, in the, get in the hole, which we did. He drove the tank up near where that shooting was coming from, and uh, he put his uh, 37 millimeter cannon in it and killed a man. And then he requested a, a flamethrower operator to follow him. And a flamethrower operator followed him in. And uh, he, he shot his flamethrower in. And, and, of course, he killed him and everybody in, the, yes, in that sir. cave. And in that moment, what, what, are, what are you feeling? There's no fear. It's just. Uh, no, I said I made it all right. So everything was fine. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I, I I couldn't afford to be afraid. Yes, sir. I think that's important. Um, you know, so often when I do these interviews, we we talk about the moments. Um, and I heard Mr. Smith, who's a World War II veteran in our Kosciuszko home, he said the same thing, that you don't have the opportunity to be afraid, right? No. Um, and you You're can't... so busy all the time. Yeah, yeah. See, I, we lived in a tent... If we were, we, we were not uh, standing in line to eat, we would be walking guard duty. And we did a lot of guard duty. And when I was in a foxhole with a fellow we under, under combat conditions, I would sit one way and he would sit facing me. We did that in case we, we had a survey all around us. Yes, sir. Instead of both of us sitting side by side, we don't see one way. So if we sat opposite each other, we could watch the whole thing. That way we, we had to watch for the enemy. They, they slip upon us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you didn't worry about dying because, no. like you said, your faith is strong in, in that regard. Did you ever think about home? Did you ever think about 4th of July, like the holidays that you might no, be missing? Did I, I didn't think that? about holidays at all. Yes, sir. Only thing we ever thought about was Christmas. Yeah. Something like that. That's it. And we didn't, we didn't have a, a lot of... Uh, entertainment, anything like that, because we were in combat conditions. When we were in combat condition, we didn't get any. <laughs> it's not a lot of time to have fun, right? Yeah. But after that, uh, I did see Bob Hope overseas one time after when I, after I left Hawaii. Yes, and, sir. And he was good to us. But uh, I, I enjoyed my service time. I wouldn't mind going back in now. <laughs> and, you know... I work with a lot of veterans, obviously, at Mississippi Veterans Affairs. Um, at our central office, we have so many, whether it be from the Gulf War era, the Vietnam War era. And I've heard a couple of them say that same thing, that if they had the opportunity again, 
They would do it all over again. Yeah. They would do it today because of what it meant. Why is that sense of pride and that sense of duty still in you today when you've already when you've already served America? Well, I look around and I see all of my fellow uh, Americans. I said, I'm glad we did what we did. Yes, we had to because there was nobody else to do it. So we went ahead and, and did uh, committed ourselves to protecting the country. And I will do the same thing today if I had to. I didn't even get a chance to ask you, how old are you, Mr. Provenza? Now, 97. Yes, 97 years young. Um, and still with that same fire, um, as, as you all can hear here on the Mississippi Salute podcast, um, what would be your message to folks who, you know, we always talk about honoring, you know, veterans, honoring America's greatest generation, which is the World War II generation. Um, what do you feel, in your, your personal opinion, is the proper way to honor a veteran? Well, the, the thing about it is I don't look for people to bear down to me. I did what I had to do, and everybody else did too. So I, I'm happy we did, all of us, we did that to make our country great. Yeah. Uh, here's my card here to the American Legion. You'll see I'm in there 75 years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's my American Legion, American Legion card. Yeah, what he's showing me right now is his American Legion card. It says paid up for life membership card 2023. So it's it's still fresh. Mr. Tony Provenza um, of the American Legion. It shows his lifetime dedication to this country. Right, there's my card there. Yes, sir. ID card. And I'm a captain in the Air Force. See, after the war, I worked for three years as a combat um, uh, machinist. Yes, sir. Regranting automobile crankshaft. Mm-hmm. Then I had a man in there that had a son in the Navy during the war. He would tell me, he said, Tony, you don't need to stand up work all day. You got the GI Bill. I didn't know anything about the GI right. Bill. So I said, okay, after about eight months, I got to listen to him. I made an application to go to Ole Miss, and they accepted me. I, I didn't have any background in accounting anything, so I got into the business school. When I got there, my roommate was working accounting problems because he was majoring in accounting. And uh, he said, Tony, you don't have to take this, but you will when you get to be a sophomore. I was freshman then. He said, if you like it, go ahead and take it. So I took it and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And that's what I did. I majored in accounting at Ole Miss. I got my degree in accounting in June of 1952. Post, post-military career. Um, you talked about your time at Ole Miss. Um, what are some of your, your, your proudest achievements post your military career, your family, uh, your career? Kind of talk uh, me through that, sir. Well, I, I got married after I graduated from college, and we had three children. I have one male, two female. One male owns an automobile repair shop. He works on nothing but BMWs. Then I have one daughter that's a pharmacist. She graduated from Ole Miss. And one daughter also graduated from Ole Miss. And uh, she graduated in general business. And she worked for Neiman Marcus for 37 years. Wow. Proud Papa is what y'all are hearing right now. See, all of that was attributed to the fact that I had been in the Marine Corps, been in combat, and I was able to uh, combat, you know, all of the interference that we had during the war, during the time. That's right. That's right. Mr. Provenza, look, I've asked you everything that I want to ask you. If there's anything else that you want to share, sir, the floor is yours. I know that's kind of like a, a, a difficult space to put you in because you don't know really what to say, but I just want to make sure I give you the opportunity to add anything that you'd like. Well, there's a Japanese flag here. Sorry, I gave yes, that sir. flag to my daughter. 
I acquired that flag when I was on uh, passing from Peleliu to Guam to North China. I went out to the uh, uh, prison of war camp where they had some Japanese prisoners, and, and I t got a flag from one of the prisoners, and I kept it, and I gave it to my daughter. I saw that you received that flag in 1945. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't presented to me. I, I took that flag from a fellow that was a prisoner of war. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I got that flag. When you see that flag today, when you pass by it, does it take you back to that like exact moment in time? Uh, or? Really, I just as I look at it, I said, I'm glad we defeated the Japanese, you know, and the Germans and the Italians in World War II. Yeah. And uh, it, it does make me feel good. I look around, I see all the people walking around. I said, we did a good job. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Ms. Provenza. Um, I'm lucky enough, blessed enough to have this opportunity to sit with you. But again, we do this, this interview, this, this very interview so that these words can stand the test of time. It's very important to hear it. Life member of the VFW, World War II veteran, 97 years young, Mr. Tony Provenza here on the Mississippi Salute podcast. And sir, I thank you for taking a moment uh, to be with me today. And folks, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, if you need to contact us at Mississippi Veterans Affairs, you can visit our website, msva.ms.gov. We're on social media, on Facebook, MS Veterans Affairs. Uh, that's for Instagram as well, and for Twitter, at MS Vets Affairs. You can find us there. All of the updated information is there. Uh, you'll see that flag that Mr. Provenza is talking about. We're going to put that on social media as well, so be sure to follow up and uh, check it out. We're going to share his story on all of those platforms for you. Um, once again, Mr. Tony Provenzo, World War II veteran, 97 years young. I'm Ray Coleman. I'm the host of Mississippi's Little Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you.